Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Med- Medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, if you're listening to My Good Bad Brain for the first time, check us out at patreon.com slash mygoodbadbrain. And, uh, you know, if you like the show, leave us a review. That's really helpful. Tell your friends. All right, theme song. Bye. Welcome to my good bad brain I'm a normal person so I'm insane I've got depression and ADHD but I'm doing better since I medicated me I'm still not always sure whether I exist or what being a person even really is but I figured out a long time ago that being alive is Hello. It's my good, bad brain time, my friends. My sweet, 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 sweet internet friends. Um, I've been getting really nice messages from some of y'all. And I just wanted to say thank you for that up front. When people reach out to me randomly and say that this podcast means something to them or makes a difference to them. Man, that fucking rules, you know? Just makes me feel like we're really all connected, you know? It just keeps me on my bullshit, meaning like working on myself, trying to stay true to, you know, positive habits and whatnot and making actual efforts to like stick to my best practices and take care of myself and, you know, keep making my way through the world with this uh, good, bad brain because I know there's other people out there who I don't even know who are listening and trying as well and it's resonating. So, you know. That fucking, that rules. And thank you. Thank you, you know, if you go out of your way to do that ever. I know I don't probably receive every message that is sent my way, but I think I get a lot of them. I keep trying. I'll keep trying. Anyway. And you know what? If you love the podcast and uh, thank, you know, check out the Patreon. (laughs) I really don't promote enough. uh, I don't think for like, quote unquote, best, best practices. But, you know, it's because this is just my own little weird space to work on this with y'all and I don't like to question it too much or give it too much structure. That being said, today's guest on the podcast that we talk with is a good friend of mine named uh oh patreon.com slash my good bad brain if I didn't okay. Uh Corey DeMyers is my buddy and he and he comes on the podcast today. And I'll say this during the podcast too, but Corey's like a good friend who I wouldn't have expected to ever have as a guest on a mental health podcast, which is a silly thing to say. I guess I guess if I could have thought it out, I would have expected I would have guessed, you know, anybody could be a guest because that's the whole point is that we're all like we all got something. We're all like doing our best and trying, you know, and um, 
Corey is, I met him because he's a stunt guy. I did a music video. I acted in a while ago and he was a stunt coordinator on it. And we just stayed pals. We've collaborated on some different projects since then. And I don't know, I'm sure we will a bunch in the future. He's just one of those few people I really, really enjoy the the presence of and I love working with. And, um, and you know, like in creative professions, you know, at some point when you start getting older, you know, it's harder and harder to find people who are just like, maniacs who love it and just want to like work on stuff because it makes them laugh or they think it's cool or you know just some creative impulse like like kind of how we create when we start out maybe you know and uh and he's like that and i really like that about him but uh he was telling me that his wife really likes the podcast a little while ago and then and, and he appreciates me doing it and i was like oh yeah totally um and he said he liked it and so, somehow one thing or another I, I was like i got the sense and i say this like whatever i'm gonna repeat myself but i got the sense that he you know, might have some resonance with it also. And like, there's this question about like, how do we get through our lives? What's our brains doing? Blah, blah. And I, I was like, you know, just got that feeling. And I was like, do you have like stuff like mental stuff, you know? And he was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And so that was like back, that was months ago. And I was like, all right, well let's do it. Let's have a talk sometime. Cause I'd love to hear your perspective like he's a very physical person he was this like parkour competitor actually before going full-time stunt guy and doing all this stuff lifelong martial artist um he doesn't have any like diagnosed anything and i think that's an important thing um i would say the overarching main big topics that we get into here maybe are like being children of divorce and maybe some codependency that comes out of that um yeah, I think that's kind of where we end up. We, I, I don't know. I felt like whenever I have pals on here, sometimes we unpack and I realize, well, no wonder we, we resonate, uh, resonate with you. You know, like there's some similarity in how we are and how we got to be this way. So we talk a lot about codependency and being children of divorce and how that um, maybe creates a way in which we isolate ourselves or try to make everybody around us happy, but never really feel connected um, to anyone, even though we love them very much. You know, we create this sort of safe distance and how we maybe sabotage ourselves a little bit with that by having a fear of commitment that we don't really want to acknowledge. So the result is we never focus on our own dreams because if we committed to our dreams, they might disappoint us or we might disappoint ourselves or or some fear of failure that isn't there when we work on other people's projects um but maybe we subconsciously hold ourselves back and how that ties in you know on like entertainment obviously and like creative endeavors but how that also is like maybe in relationships and maybe you know how you just kind of like have difficulty committing to some things because you're afraid that they will fail you and disappoint you and how you can like live your whole life with that sort of pattern and um, I also think, you know, I, I use this analogy later in the podcast, but I, I was thinking about like, I think I am going to be having more people on who don't necessarily have like, you know, some doctor um, diagnosed mental, you know, whatever. Um, I never know which word. I, I Like I said, I kind of like disorder, I think is fine for me, but I don't know. Um but don't have diagnosed disorders because I think everybody, literally everybody experiences this sometimes. And that's why the question about mental health is so important. Just like our regular, you know, our respiratory system, everybody gets colds at some point in their life. Everybody has periods of non-chronic mental illness, I think. And, um, 
you know, so it's really valuable to me to hear like how people get through who aren't diagnosed because I mean, also, I mean, I wasn't diagnosed by a psychiatrist till I was like 32, you know, 31, 32, something like that. So does that mean I didn't have it before? Of course not. You know? Um, so yeah, that's going to be a thing that happens, uh, more often. And I'm just going to get out of the way of this and I'm going to let you start listening to Corey and I just have an afternoon chat. Um, again, thank you so much. If you reach out to me, if you leave reviews for the show, if you give us money at the patreon.com slash my good, bad brain, all of that just makes such a huge difference and keeps this thing rolling. Um, yeah. All right. Well, thanks guys. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with the wonderful Corey DeMyers. Great. Cool. We're recording now. All right. Hey, Corey. Hey, what's up, bro? Uh, all right. So I just thought we I, we did this thing just now that I do sometimes on this podcast where usually I, when I'm going to talk to somebody, I do like do a little pre-talking to like loosen up or whatever. And then, but we just did that for like two hours and then. Oh, totally. Yeah. To our catch up our a pre-talking bit. was was hours of <laughs> entertainment. And then I was doing more of like the like the like more related to the mental health part of the podcast uh, or part of the podcast, part of the hang, whatever the podcast pre-talk. And then I was like, oh, this is good stuff. I'll just record what we go. So. Basically, a lot of people that I have on the show, there is some specific thing that they they can say. I have the, I like I'm like I have depression and ADHD or like whatever. We just did one with like someone's like it has borderline and anorexia or whatever. But they have already gotten mental health uh, help and blah, blah blah. With you and some other people I've had on the show too, a lot of people I think have like basically my my hypothesis is that everybody struggles with mental health stuff. Being a person, like you struggle with it, and that. Even I'm glad I wish I had gone to a psychiatrist earlier in my life at this point because it really has helped me being with some medication and kind of looking at it in that way. But um, before that, just because I had never had somebody say a doctor to me like you have depression or you have this thing uh, doesn't mean I wasn't experiencing that and couldn't like identify that like I have there's something that's hard for me and that every person struggles with that kind of stuff. And you, uh, uh, Corey DeMyers, uh, who well, I'm going to do a little intro for you before we get into this, but uh, that you're not going to be here for. But um, <laughs> but basically, you, you're my buddy uh, for a while now. You're a stunt guy. We met through entertainment and things like that. And uh, and, you know, I think typical like stunt guy, athletic kind of people and that kind of it, professionally, the professionally athletic people or action oriented people, whatever. Nobody like thinks of them as like, I think probably because you think of people in that like life as like physical. Uh, I think that, you know, even with athletes, when there's like tons of evidence of like depressed athletes and stuff like that, um, not getting into the CTE part of it, but like, right. You don't think of people in those lives as people who like struggle with that kind of stuff in the stereotypical idea of like who has depression or something like that and i just remember we were talking a while ago like months ago we had lunch and we're talking about doing this podcast and you had said that you liked it or that your wife liked it or something like that and i was i was saying oh thank you and and we were talking and you basically i don't remember what it was specifically but you were like yeah definitely it's just like good and there was something to the hint of it that i was like oh and i was like do you like have stuff whatever and i remember just had this look on your face and you were just like oh yeah oh yeah and you like (laughs) were like nodding and making this like yeah and i was like oh 
Okay, I didn't know that. Would you like to be on the show sometime? Because I thought it'd be interesting. Because even I didn't wouldn't be like, right. oh, Corey struggled with. Well, fucked I think up that's shit. the thing. Like you said, with mental health, dude, is it's it's. I think everybody does struggle with mental health issues on one level or another, and right. and some people maybe are better at dealing with it on their own. Yeah, other people are better at hiding it. You know, because I mean, that's it's so internal that you would never know. You know, yeah. it just depends on how it physically manifests itself. Yeah. Well, that's so that brings us to where. We are now. We're like finally getting down. Uh, you were out of town for a while working on. We were all just whatever. And so I'm glad to have you here. But I guess that's sort of like the themes I wanted to talk about um, are. Uh, I know you you mentioned imposter syndrome. And I want to talk about the idea of imposter syndrome a little bit. And I want to talk about basically, though, this broader idea of the quote unquote undiagnosed mental disorder thing that like mental there's there's like, OK, I think maybe a way to think about it would be like some people just with uh, regular physiological health, like, you know, well-being of your organism physically, like not talking about the the brain part or the the sort of uh, subjective experience of your life, like wellness and illness can kind of be defined as like acute and chronic. We're like. Everybody gets colds. Everybody gets like a virus or an infection now and again and blah, blah, and they have it and they have to recover from it. Some people will have a chronic thing. We're like from like diabetes or whatever. You have something that you're born with or that you get early in life. That's like, that's going to be something you have your whole life and you're going to have to deal with. And I almost feel like mental health can be thought of in a similar way. We're like, just because you might not be diagnosed as somebody who has uh, you have ADHD, you have depression, and it's a thing that you're going to have to live with and manage your whole life, and it's very chemical and chronic. Just because you don't have that doesn't mean like, just because I don't have diabetes doesn't mean I'm not going to get a cold or a flu that's going to fuck me up sometimes and can be like really threatening sometimes if it's serious and untreated. I had like a staph infection years ago that like ended up in the hospital for three days. So I think it's interesting to think of mental health from that perspective and not be like you either have it or you don't or you're, you're you know, because obviously, yes, we can just say, yes, every person has uh, something they struggle with at some point. But getting even more specific than that, like and again, I'm not a professional. You're not a professional from a mental health standpoint. But as people, I I think that one can experience mental health struggles, whether they're triggered by an outside factor or environmental or just in your lived experience in acute ways that are just as real. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So I guess like what are your yeah, what what my first question for you was just going to be like kicking off from there. Like, what was it when you what was it that I detected and that led to you being like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that was like, you should come talk on this show. You I know mean, what I mean? I, yeah, no, I think I think it was what we were just talking about, like in our little prep. Um, and then we realized we should just be recording all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. I think it was when you asked me if I had ever struggled with mental health or depression. Um, the first thing that I thought about was when I was probably 12 or 13 years old. Yeah. And I remember like I got along. I grew up in a small town in Michigan, just outside of Flint. And I was friends with all the different cliques. Like I, I played sports. I did martial arts. But like I got along with everybody and mm -hmm. I hung out with everybody. But for some reason or another, I never actually felt like I really belonged in any of those micro communities within yeah. my school. Yeah. Um, and I was in homeroom. We used to have to watch this like this like 15 minute like kids news show uh, in homeroom like every day. And I remember one of the news anchors came on. They were talking about depression, how it's affecting young people. And I went home and I was like, oh, shit. Like I 
exactly what they were talking about yeah. in this special is exactly how I'm feeling. Do you remember any of like the stuff they said? That um, was like I mean, it was just was like, like a feeling of not belonging and a disconnect from people. And I love people. Right. Yeah. But I didn't feel connected to any of the people uh, that I was around. And I was, I was a little bummed out and sad all the time. And although I was super energetic, I was very mentally drained all the time. Like, mm. like, things that even things that weren't a big deal were weighing really heavy on me. And I was like 12 or 13 years old. And then you also think like, am I just an angsty teenager? Like, am I just going through, right. is it a phase where I'm just overwhelmed by the world because it is a crazy big place and I'm just this little boy and I'm starting to try to understand it and comprehend it. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I brought it up to, I remember bringing it up to my, my mother who was a single mother uh, of two at the time I lived with my mom and my grandmother and you know, she's always a person who is there for you, wants to help you, will listen to you. But there was something about the idea of, of a young boy being depressed that I don't know if it was, it's not that it wasn't taken seriously, but maybe it was a little bit of denial. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and eventually I did get an opportunity to talk to somebody, but it was more centered around the idea of being a child of divorce. And I, I never really felt like the like divorce, therapy? Like yeah, a th therapy for, for kids, you know, who have gone through a divorce with their parents. And, and I never thought it was, it wasn't the idea of not having my mother and father living together or them being split up. I always felt like it was, it was some, there was another reason I was feeling this way and I didn't really know what it was, yeah. you know? Um, and through the years, I've just found it to continue to manifest itself in several different ways or, or sparks. That sense of like lonely in rooms full of people kind of thing. Absolutely. Lonely yeah. in, in a room full of people or, or, or even it comes out as this feeling that like, like I'm never going to accomplish like the things that I wanted to accomplish in my life. Mm. Right. Like, like they're so there's so much that I would, that I aspire to, but like these overwhelming feelings like, yeah, but that's never going to happen. Right. Like and, an and, innate, like a voice that automatically goes, you're not going to do that. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Like right. Like, head. and, and, and then it's, and then this last couple of years, like I was telling you, it started to feel like it manifested itself in like this imposter syndrome. And it's not, it's not like what the clinical definition of that syndrome would be, but what it is, is what a is lot that of like, according to like what I mean, we could, we could look yeah, at it. You, about like just had it right open. So might as well just um, read it if you just have it there. But you know, like, and, and I think the one thing that in my life had been a constant through, through a lot of these feelings is when I keep myself busy, it keeps me from listening, listening to that yeah. voice in the back of my head. And I, although I love to be busy and I love to create, like I often wonder, is that why I try to stay so busy that I don't have time to yeah. stop and think is so I don't have to, I mean, even like, like contemplate it, these thoughts. Yeah. Even the know? micro of your profession is so like physical and demands your like present focus, like to do parkour and things like that. Right. It's like, there's really no room for like giving a lot of time to like, thoughts of doubt and thoughts of, you know, because you've got to like, jump out of a building window or you've got to right. like land on a ledge and not fall or you know what I mean like these things demand a presence and I mean I'm I'm just resonating that resonates with me and I guess my question would be like does is that part of your thing with it for me like all of my physical culture life like all the jujitsu and all the things a lot of that has to do with like being in a moment that like takes me uh so into that moment that I can't like you know my my conscious thoughts that might be destructive don't have any space. Oh, you know? totally. And I think that like maybe part of it's, it's a form of self-medication, right? Is like, is like for sure using the creative outlet and the intense focus it takes to like do these things that we're doing in our lives, whether it be like the physical creation of something right. in, in jujitsu or martial arts or parkour or an action sequence or 
taking all of your focus into writing this project, producing, directing this project. It's, it is, it is something you love to do, right. but doing it to a very intense manner helps keep your mind busy. So you don't yeah. feel like shit. Yeah. Like when, when you sit that, still that with your feel, thoughts, oof, you know, yeah. say that again, like, like that, that reality of like, dude, that is so real. Like if the scariness of like, that when I stop, like what's yeah. it going to say in the silence? Oh dude. And I like, I'll be on, I mean, right now is a great example. It's only been two weeks. And I told, I told my wife the other day, I'm like, I just got off the show. I was, I was, I was out of LA for four months working on the show and I didn't have time to think about shit. And you kind of escape your reality, even though you, you escape your everyday, right. And you're yeah. out of your own reality for a while while you're working on this project. And then I come home and I'm super excited to see her and my little dog. And we spent time with family but like toward the end of the two weeks, I'm like, I'm like, babe, I'm fucking going crazy right yeah. now. And she's like, what do you mean? I was like, I just need to work. And it's yeah. not because I need the money. Like, it's not like I, like, I just feel like a piece of shit. And she's like, what, what do you, you just worked for four months straight and you did a great job and you killed it and right. you made, you made progress in your career and you're, you are doing what you love. And I am, but like, I'm afraid of sitting with myself not because I'm afraid I'll do something stupid, but I'll talk myself into it like a mental hole, right? Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll sit there and in the silence, I'll I'll start yeah. to think like, well, how did I get here? Do I deserve this? Why do I deserve this? Like, is this real? Is this a fluke? Am I going to get booked on another job like this? Or did they they book me thinking one thing, but I'm not really the guy they thought I was? And then you know, and I just go down yeah, this rabbit the hole. Doubt. Read the. Do you, know? do you have the thing open for this imposter <clears throat> yeah. syndrome thing? Yeah. So like for and and maybe this is something that you brought up to me like like within this last year but i've i've been i never knew what it was called but per wikipedia mm -hmm. uh imposter syndrome also known as imposter phenomenon imposterism fraud syndrome or the imposter experience is a psychological pattern in which an individual doubts their accomplishments and has a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud mm -hmm. despite external evidence of their competence those experiencing this phenomenon remain convinced that they are frauds and do not deserve all they have achieved individuals with imposter syndrome incorrectly attribute their success to luck or as a result of deceiving others into thinking they are more intelligent mm. than they perceive themselves to be while early research focused on the pre prevalence among high achieving women imposter syndrome has been recognized to affect both men and women yeah. equally yeah that's for sure that i've thought i've felt that way forever right i mean i still feel that way and it's like I mean, I feel that way a lot less, honestly. I've talked with yeah. that. I've spent time. To, well, because, okay, so my thought was, one thing is, like, do you ever, I know people who, like, tell me they don't like yoga. Like, they'll do Pilates or do whatever. They're like, I can't do yoga. It's just too, I can't, like, sit in that stillness or stay in poses like that that long. And those, I'm always like, oh, you should do yoga. Like, the people who have that feeling Definitely. are usually the ones that should do it. And I don't know. I wonder if you might, like, get something out of uh sitting in that discomfort and negotiating with those voices to like, I don't know. Cause for me, the imposter syndrome stuff, as I've tried to burn out like my weird shit over the last couple of years and all, and figure out what's going on is like definitely still comes up, but, and maybe it has to do with knowing a lot of amazing people I'm close to like Allie or people in my life that like have the same voices of self doubt and, and, and seeing them and being like, Oh, look at like objectively how wrong you are. Like, you know, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Like I can show you a million pieces of evidence that say like, you're not an imposter. Maybe seeing that enough has allowed me to like talk to myself and go like, 
that's it. Like I, I've had this thing. I always think of like, if you can uh, approach your world and yourself with curiosity instead of judgment. Uh, and if you can like basically live an in inquiry so that when a thought like that comes up, that's like, that's like, uh, Oh, you're a fucking fake. People are going to figure out that you're a fake or like the, you, they, you didn't do a good job on the last job. And when they said like, good job, you kind of see in their eyes and their face, they were saying it cause they thought that'd be nice, but they didn't really mean it. And that, that kind of like feeling, you know, yeah. and you just start running like that, you know, basically, I would just have this inquiry thing of like, is that true? Well, is that true? And like, just trying to answer that and being like, well, probably not because of this, this and this. And and it's equally as true that they love me completely and they meant what they said. Like, why do I give validity to the fake one? And I think part of it has to do with growing up and being deeply affected by culture and people in our personal lives who we perceive to be who are imposters who are liars who are like donald trump who are like people who just like <laughs> double down and double down and evidently do bad jobs at things but then they go like no i didn't i'm so fucking good and and, and somehow, somehow people just to like find success yeah right that you go like oh so i can't believe that things i do are good just because i'm succeeding or because because look at all these other fucking idiots like but the weirdness of why does your brain validate that and not validate the equally possible reality that it is true that you are good at something right you no, know no and i think it i think like you you just said something about like uh self-doubt right and right. i think i think that i mean self-doubt is i think almost everybody has self-doubt like if you don't ever right. doubt yourself on some level or another right like you're probably not a human right 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 and and I think but it's maybe, like what, what quality does yeah, that yeah and that's take? why I say like I don't think I have imposter syndrome but I think I have a I think I've experienced a lot of the symptoms of it be, but it but it's but it's very much centered around that self doubt right and and I think some people carry more than others and like I was saying like I don't if I keep trucking I don't think about these things right like it just keeps it off right. my mind because I try to stay focused on something else and I don't ever give myself the chance right. to be but still it's like, like you said uncomfortable to yeah. know that like should the circumstances shift. I always just, I just never like the feeling that, which is why I avoided medication for so long too. And I still like, I still sometimes have conflict over it. It's like, I never wanted to feel like any outside factor was going to command how I felt about myself. Totally. Meaning if there's no work though, then what do I had this moment that always stuck with me that like really like I still think about it fuck me up like dad stuff where like I was in the car with my dad after my dad got disbarred from being a lawyer and he and we we're in the car and he was like in the hardest time of his life and it was hard for like we were all kids and he was like the darkest period of life where he was like really drug addicty and weird and all this stuff and I remember I was in the car with him he was driving and there was this weird moment where he goes like he goes like you know a lot of people you ask them who they are and they'll tell you their job like you know like what do you what do you, you know what I mean? Like that's their identity. Oh, dude. He goes to tell you that they tell you your job. He goes, I was a lawyer for 15 years, and now I'm not. And there was just this weird silence, and I was like, fuck, I never want to feel so identified with things outside of me that if they go away, then I'll be like, what the fuck am I? And that and that to me is like that's the 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 fear I think about like knowing like okay as long as I keep moving I'm good, but the fear of like ooh. I can't always control that though. And oh, maybe, no. and I maybe like, then you want to like explore like, so how do, how do I be good even in the stillness? You know, I, no, I think that's like on, for me, I think that's a great, 
It's a great piece of advice. And even like you said, like live life in and look at yourself from a place of inquisition, right? Yeah. Is like be inquisitive, like ask questions. Don't, don't judge yourself necessarily, but try to find out why, right? Well, why did I do that? Why do I think that? Like, where yeah. is this coming from? Right. It gets to the root of the problem. It's like the, the difference between, yeah. you know, like just putting a bandaid on it and really trying to fix it, you know? Yeah. And, well, you said your child, you, you divorced parents. Yeah. When did that happen? Uh, when I was, I want to say like officially six i want to say like my parents like actually split up when i was like six or seven it was like finalized uh and i lived with my i lived with my mom my little sister who's like four and a half years younger than me and then my grandmother moved in with us and so it was like me it was like me and three girls it was like me my mom my sister my grandmother and actually that actually i didn't know that and that explains (laughs) maybe a lot of why i like it because one of the things (laughs) you were talking about before this was like Uh how I'm so selective about people that I'm close with. And one of the toughest things for me is to find people with that masculine feminine balance because like I have these like really broy like passions, but oh, like yeah. sometimes being around it too much, I'm like, they're just like so dude and so like toxic male and so like not woke and all this that you just like, sometimes you just can't, uh, even people I get along with, they'll be like, I don't like hanging out with them. But like, you have this weird balance of like positivity and kindness and like creativity and like, you know, of your sort of spirit and mood around you while also understanding all the appeal of like this boy stuff of like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I lived with women fighting. my whole life, but I grew up that yeah. since I was like five years old doing martial arts. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I just, it's that, interesting like, to know just yeah. on a personal level. Yeah. That, there was like a balance between like, you know, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I lived like a fairly balanced life in that respect growing yeah. up, you know. But the thought I had, the wonder I had, the reason I said the divorce thing was because I am also a child of divorce. It happened a little later for me. I think they officially separated probably when I was like 12 or 13 or something like that, maybe a little later. And then and I dragged on for years before the court stuff was all done. And it was like, but they, you know, and I and I I do when I do my own sort of like therapy and exploration of like what what are my wounds and what are my core beliefs around like who I am and how the world works. I really do think in a very cheesy Freudian kind of way that like I had this idea, I, my, the foundation, like I used to always just say like, oh yeah, I know you stand on rugs so that they are pulled out from under you. Like not just because, not like just that, like you stand on them and then they might be, or then they will be, but like, that's why they're there is to disappoint you is to like, fuck you up. And I trace a lot of my core insecurities and beliefs about like imp- the the world is full of liars and like imposters and I'm probably one too and, and blah, blah. And like a lot of my core beliefs about relationships and stuff for a while. I truly believe go back to like, oh, well, my family broke like the people who made me that like, quote unquote, loved me or whatever that like that something in that rift established for me as a child forming my opinions and shape of how the world works, that doubt, you know? And so I wonder if there isn't something that like other children of divorce share in that like, even if you process it, even if you grow up, become a mature, you're like, I know it's not like true, but on some core level, like while your child brain is growing that it, your child brain is like sh- the platform of which you base your idea of, you know, what, how society and people work. Right. It's kind of cracked. Well, for yeah, you. maybe. Yeah, it could. I mean, it could even be along the lines of, you know, I mean, maybe if it's like, look, our little community didn't work and we obviously didn't fit together yeah. properly. So maybe I don't really fit in with the rest of these groups that are making me believe that I'm a part of what they're doing. You know, I don't know. 
I, 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 I guess I never like. I mean, because that's investigated another it long enough. Yeah, you know? that's another. I, the 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 difference community thing. I, I similarly, at least through junior high and stuff, I really felt like I was the same way. Where like I was friends with everybody, but I didn't like belong to any right. Of the you still cliques. felt like an outsider. And there's something in that that like I I joke about now that like. I still feel like I find myself in quote unquote divorced parent situations where I'm friends with parties that don't like each other or oh, have yeah. problems oh, with each other. God, me too. Yeah. All and the you time. just become really good at like being like, Hey, I, I just have my relationship with you and I have mine with them. I and just said not that to somebody you. the other day, like Tuesday. Night. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was more of a work kind of relationship. And it was like this one guy didn't get along with this one coordinator because of some interaction they had, but I just had an amazing experience with this guy. And I really like that guy too. Yeah. And you're like, well, not everybody gets along all the time, but that doesn't mean that I can't get along with both yeah. of you. And maybe that is a skill set you learn as a child of divorce. If yeah. you were able to continue to like get along with both of your parents, you know, or, yes. or at least I, I mean, I got along with them both or at least deal with both of the different situations. Right. Like yeah. you learn how to navigate that world in it. And especially being a young man or young woman, like you're very impressionable. And so that sticks with you. And, shit, maybe that is why I have an okay time navigating all these different relationships nowadays. You know, like... Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I definitely think that might be part... I mean, because for me, I also feel like hypersensitive to people's moods and like oh, if God, they're getting too, like Holy upset or, ma or judgy or not or, you know, they get and, and being able to like manage and make sure everybody's happy. Bro, and, I get so bad to the point about... The, just I just have yeah. to share this. Like, I remember we... Me and one of my best friends I had ever had... Uh, in this world, we, we did a documentary film together. We took it on tour. We had a small crew with us to shoot a web series about the adventure of releasing this film. And I remember getting on a plane and we're all pretty young and we're, we're not, I'm sorry, not a plane, a train in Europe. Yeah. And we all have first class tickets on the train. And I remember like getting there and we're editing and we're talking and like, we're kind of being loud and some people are being louder than others and obnoxious. And I remember like, we are still all adults and we are allowed to have a conversation, but I remember being so hypersensitive and, and, and cognizant of what the other people on the train may have thought of us yeah. and, or what they were feeling. And I was always the guy that was like, Oh guys, come on, let's, let's calm yeah, down. Yeah. We don't want to, because I didn't want to like, I didn't want to like adversely affect the other people on the train and, or, or like ruin their experience and make them feel bad and like feel like we were some young punks. But I do that all the time in every situation. Yeah. Like even, even when it doesn't like. I don't want to say it doesn't matter because it does matter. And I think we should all be conscious of each other, right? Like just on Completely. a general human level. But even like when you're just out with your friends and you're having fun, you might not realize that like the fun you're having is like infringing on other people's like day. Right. And that's and so, like, and I'm, I'm so and I'm the guy in that. that group that always is like having a good time. And then I almost ruin my own time because I'm like, oh, wow, we're, are we being shitty? Yeah. Like, I don't want to be that guy. You're well, like, and that is very connected to this imposter syndrome thing, I, I believe, because it's like, because in your mind, you're like, well, it's not bad to have self-doubt because bad people don't have self-doubt. Like, bad people don't ever question, like, am I being an asshole to the people around me or blah, blah. But so so you convince yourself, like I was talking to um, uh, Ali about this a long time ago. We were like, there's, there's a kind of epidemic, it seems, around like intelligent, creative, like funny people about being depressed. And part of it seems attached to this feeling that like if they suddenly were happy or figured out how to be happy, they would be stupid. They'd be like, stupid people are happy because that just means – because if you're happy, that means you must not be thinking about a million, all the million bad things about the universe all the time that are constantly happening. And how could you be happy in the face of that? You know, like only a dumb person could be happy. And that like, I don't think that's true. I think like 
the world is set up in a way that like you you have to accept at some point that just contradictory things all exist at the same time and that the universe has like a dialectic relationship with itself where like it's a it's infinite factors negotiating with each other constantly and in that flow some sort of reality exists but there is no stasis there's no frozen moment in time there's no black and white or even a spectrum on which you could put it that like you just have to accept that like you can know about all the bad things and also be happy somehow and like that's really the only way to survive it and so you end up having to like if you try to logically explain to yourself a way to believe in yourself while also paying attention to reality quote unquote or like to enjoy yourself in public and be allowed to take up space while also respecting the sovereignty of other people like those seem contradictory to some degree but like they're not if you just manage them and live presently. But our right. mind so wants to go like, yeah, but people who don't pay attention and like just take up space of their own are rude. You're like, yeah, that's true, but not if you moderate it with also. And so it's really hard because you're asking yourself to you're basically asking an alcoholic to drink moderately. You know, <laughs> you're basically saying like, I know you're really worried that if you start being yourself and believing in yourself, that's going to make you a dumb idiot who doesn't see reality and is actually fucking up all the time. Just but like you just have to accept that you you got to you can have a little bit and moderate it and it'll be fine. Like, yeah, no, hey, I like that. No, that's a you great know? way of explaining it, though. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just that's, like no, thinking it's, about but it. But it's a solid it. analogy. But like, it is why it's so hard that. to get out of it because yeah. you're just like constantly, whenever you want to sort of like let yourself be like, no, I'm going to believe in myself. You're like, you're so worried that now you're one of those monsters, you know? Oh, totally. And I, and I tend to, and I think that like I, and maybe it, and I, like as you're talking about this, I was thinking about it and I, and I've known this for a long time and I've talked about it with my wife and I've, I've said it out loud to myself, but like, I tend to worry about other people more than I even worry about myself, mm -hmm. right? And and to the point where like I'd be the guy to step up on a project and help somebody else finish their thing because I don't want to see it fail for them. Right. Almost before I would even take care of myself and do my own shit. I totally Or I that. would put the rest of my life on hold, which is negatively affecting maybe me and my wife and, you know, to, to help somebody else. And it's like, there's no benefit to me and not that there should always be like a benefit to you if you're helping somebody. Yeah. But like, I would almost put myself in well, a shitty situation in order to help somebody else yeah. more than myself. And, and that leads into also being hyper aware and conscious of like how I'm affecting other people in my day to day life. Right. And then it eventually turns into like not taking care of yourself. Right. Like not now. And, and I don't mean like hygienically or anything like that, but like just not paying attention to my own like maybe mental state yeah, and mental health because now I'm doing all this other stuff for all these other people. Yeah. And, and, and you got me thinking like, does that also go back to the idea of having parents who were divorced? Because now not necessarily my father, cause he was like a very, very overbearing kind of masculine man who was growing up was my, my real father was like very intense and and, and I, and I, and I could say like, it would bum him out if he heard it, but like he was kind of shitty and, and some would say mm -hmm. maybe a piece of shit. And later in life we had reconciled a lot. And I, I noticed that he realized some of the errors of his ways and I've made a conscious effort to be better, like, especially with myself and my sister, you know, and even my wife now. And, and, but like, I was always worried about my mom and I was the oldest child and I was worried about my mom and my grandmother. Yeah. And then at the same time, not worried about my father, but still worried about what he thought of me. 
So I, I, I was always into sports and I played football and I like, you know, I played football, I ran track, I wrestled, I did martial arts, martial arts was mm -hmm. my thing. But like, I loved playing football, but I never wanted to be a football player. Like it was a fun thing to do, but I did that because I was more worried about what my dad thought about me. Yeah. And I always remember him. Oh, so-and-so's boy could throw a football this far. He could do that. Oh, he, and so I think it was like, the more I think about it is like, I was worried about what he thought. So opposed to just doing what made me happy, I tried to do the thing that would make him happy because I wanted him to accept me and be happy and proud of his kids. And, and mm. what I really loved doing more than anything in the world was martial arts and like, so I did that, you know, and, yeah. and, but I was always worried about my mother and her finances and how she was taking care of us. And so maybe those things did bleed into me now as an adult and, and I now I care sure. about other people more than myself most of the time yeah. because growing up, I was always so worried about somebody else, you know? Yeah. I mean that, you know, the idea, well, one, to, to quick little thing about that. I'll just say, I've been thinking about a lot lately is this phrase. I used to think a lot about like putting your oxygen mask on before you can help other people like the plane analogy right which is really hard to like really get through your head as somebody who's uh, this kind of codependent but what you're describing is basically this kind of codependent cycles and um you know not not necessarily like terrible versions of them but well i'll get to that in a second but like it's really hard to understand truly that like it's not helpful to somebody help them breathe if you can't breathe because then you're just going to create a problem that they have to deal with next right Ver but now i've been thinking about an easier way for me to accept it is just just uh don't light yourself on fire to warm someone else that it's like it's not helpful and like you that's, so the, heavy, that's a heavy way to yeah. think about it but it's a it's a yeah. seriously amazing analogy well, yeah. like i get yeah, like that. definitely like, yes figure out how to make fires figure out how to help other people be warm share that light but it's not helpful to so the codependent thing i've thought i I've had a lot of experience thinking about this as I've broken it down. One way early, somebody explained codependency to me, um, which is the most toxic kind of version of it that also I related to, was that uh, you keep other, you keep someone sick so that they always need you to help them be better. Um, which is like, so that's like the crab in the bucket stuff, you know, like as soon as somebody starts to get out of a situation, you figure out a way to like blow it up a little bit and, and, then, and then we have to heal. And so in a relationship, it's that cycle of like, big explosive fights and then like reconciling and we're working it out together and we made up and it feels so good to make up and then but then it's kind of stasis again so we need to fuck it up again but there's this other one i've realized because i've been thinking about a lot in my family dynamic um which this isn't me particularly but people in my family have been really affected by this where if you create a if you in your brain you're like i think of other people first i help them out first i'm a good person who does that that's what a good person does I've noticed this pattern in myself and in my family members where it's like you're basically seeding a really lovely resentment plant because you can but I don't pay attention to taking care of myself at all. I'm putting all this time into helping you out knowing you're not going to appreciate it, you know, on some level. Yeah. And, and that's part of what makes me a good person is I do this noble thing where like I put all my energy into somebody else's thing and like not even for reward just because I'm a good person. But it's perfectly setting yourself up for a situation where down the road you're not you start to go like resent. You're like, why am I fucking doing all this stuff for you? And you don't even care. And I have my things I'm not doing. And so you've basically created a perfect cycle to go like, and now I'm all fucked up and I'm kind of irritated and it's going to create a situation where someone else needs to help me. And da, da, da. and like in this way, we can create this cycle for ourselves to constantly recreate like 
our childhood situations where we were like in an impossible situation where other people didn't think about us and they had a rift and they couldn't take care of us. And so we would go like, oh, I'm going to take care of them, but I'm a child. So I'm never going to be able to actually take care of you. And then I'll be able to be mad at you my whole life because I have this thing. And like, we're so, we're sort of like, we become comfortable in this, like, you know, we become comfortable in that crisis. We become comfortable in the having a problem to solve, which I wonder if that's not why we aren't attracted to like why we feel fine as long as we're working, but then not if we're not, because if you're working, there's always problems to solve. Oh, and there's that's puzzles. And we're and, doing it. And I'm especially in what like like in the entertainment industry, which we work is like that's all you do. And people on set say it all the time, right? Oh, we're problem solvers, making movies, making right. it's just solving problems. And that's actually the truth. You're telling stories by solving the issues that arise. Totally. That get in the way well, of telling the freaking story. The problem, the story here is the ladder, the story it, of the ladder. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's so interesting. As a side, that is actually interesting, but I'll just leave it out there and let it hang. People will be like, oh, what's the story of the ladder? <laughs> what, is, what is the ladder um, story? But anyway, you know what I mean? Like that. that's a thing that we have to like, pay attention to that like how are we using the excuse because i think that that i think is the problem the danger of like imposter syndrome and these kind of things or the irony of it from a narcissism standpoint is like self-hate is i think way more toxic than self-love when you talk about like narcissism oh because like you know what i'm saying you know what i mean because totally. you're still as as obsessed like if all you think about is like what a piece of shit you are and i'm not good enough blah blah you're like not only are you just thinking about yourself all the time, but you're doing it in this way that's like poisonous to everybody around you. Oh, definitely. Yeah, At least that, somebody who's got self-love in a narcissistic way might inspire some other people who are like, yeah. oh, at least like they can love themselves. Well, you, you know, what's funny is like thinking about it, like from the perspective of codependency and then also relating that back to the imposter syndrome is like, I, I think part of it, like I'm, I'm having these like mini, mini revelations as, as I'm listening to you. And like, I think part of it for me is I, I almost, I think I help other people because I feel like I'm good at that and I can help other people do things in their lives and fix things or, or get a project done. And, and I'm like, oh no, I'm good at that. I'm good at helping other people, which keeps me from doing my own things sometimes because I'm afraid to do those things because mm -hmm. I'm afraid of failing because I, I sometimes think, well, the only reason I'm good at that is because like, for example, let's say you're doing a thing and I'm helping you and I'm even putting my life aside to help you do mm -hmm. your thing. I go, no, but like I did it with, with you. And like, that's why I was good at it. Like, I'm not good at it on my own. I'm just good at it because we did it together. Collabed, yeah. And then there's like this. And, and the reason I bring this up is because I went through this, the last two years of my life have been like, really, I don't know. It's, 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 it, it's kind of hard to talk about, but like I, so I have, I have this best friend. Yeah. You don't feel like you have to like be, I, I, I know this one's actually, we're getting a little more personal therapy with each other than I usually do. I, know. I just don't want you to feel like you have to divulge anything. No, no, or, no, no, no. But it, but it, it very much relates yeah. to kind of what we were talking about. It's like, I had this best friend that we did a bunch of awesome projects together. Yeah. Right. And, and independently, we were both very creative people and we got together and we started doing some stuff and then, and then, it, and then that relationship just ended. And, and one thing that really fucked me up was, was it when it ended and I finally, and it just ended abruptly and we were mm. very close. And, and when I finally asked like, Hey, what's going on? I was told that, well, I, I'm, I'm changing my life and I'm cutting all the negative people out of my life and you're a very negative person and no. I can't hang out with you anymore. And, and I went, holy shit. And I was like, am I a fucking negative person? Like wow. I thought I was fairly positive and I'm I, like you said, like I always try to be inspiring and I'm, I'm a guy who thinks like, fuck it. We have $10. Let's make a $20 million movie. Yeah. We can do that. Right. It's possible, you know? And so that like made me kind of do some, some self-reflection. 
Um, and when I started looking at, into myself and trying to figure this out, like then I, like that caused me, I think to go back to a place of self doubt because yeah. I had this great run for a number of years where I was, I was getting shit done. I was super confident. Maybe I wasn't thinking about it cause I was keeping myself busy. And then like one of the most important people in my lives in my life told me this and I went, fuck, like that really made me. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and still to this day, I don't think he realizes how much that made me doubt myself. You know, right? I, like I, it I, sent me into this spiral for like two years where I just like stepped away from shit. It's kind of the time that we met, which actually was good because then I was like, oh, cool. There's other people I can do creative stuff with. But like it, it even affected me. Like I have all these ideas and I've done a few things this year. And I've been like, I've, I've even said internally, like, holy shit, can you do this? Or is the only reason you were successful was because the other person that you were doing all these things with for the last like four or five years yeah. was actually the catalyst. Like, was he the one that really made all this stuff happen and you were just along for the ride or was it mutual or, you know, and it really, it really actually made me like consider who I am and where I was and whether or not I was good enough because I had this person in my life that was so important. Like almost just say like, Hey dude, you know, like, yeah. Did he? He said like your. He said I'm cutting taxes. People out of your life, and you're one of them. That was like a uh, thing. Yeah, very close to that. My, like, and, and like, it was I, like I, I was like, wow. To me, that's a red flag because like, like here's my. It's like this. It's like if somebody, if somebody, uh, if you're is breaking up with you, it, the joke is like I never want to talk to you again, and then the little talking bubble on the screen. You know, yeah. like. If somebody never wants, somebody tells you, I never want to talk to you again. Well, really? Because you just did that. Like, if you really are working on yourself, it's not about fucking up the other people who did stuff to you. It's it's not like AA in reverse where you're doing amends and you go tell people, I'm sorry. If you decide that people aren't good for you in your life and it's sincere and you're really doing that, you just start going your own way. You don't go out of your way to, to tell, tell them, them no, totally, you're totally. a fucking problem. I, I and mean, I will say part of that red flag for me is like, is like, instead of looking at your life and what's not going good with it and what you'd like to be better and like, are some people or partnerships good for me or not, whatever. If the answer to that is, is like, nah, it's these other people. Eh, not usually. That's, that doesn't mean no, don't sever true. relationships. It just means you quietly. No, so true. Saying, first well, of all, well, and it not was, even speaking from personal experience of like who you seem to be in the world and in professional capacities either, which is exactly what you described as somebody who's like always positive and always like trying. You know what I mean? Like I just the idea that you're like a negative presence is very bizarre to me. Like. I, I mean, just it, don't know, I, dude. It threw me for a loop, but it really made me like, if I'm oh, telling okay. you, like, there's like two years where I was like, holy shit. But, like, but I, am I, I, I wanted to stay on that because, like, I just I'm noticing a lot of parallels to my own life with like the divorced parents thing and stuff like that. That I, I truly believe, and I'm thinking about the thing about friend groups where like you love everybody, but you don't really feel close to anybody. That like that resonates with me also, and I think there's like a self protective quality of like when you know that things could. Um, uh, go bad like because that's already your core demonstration of relationship and family is one that has done that I think two things happen one you on some level 
make do with what you got and try to make the best out of every situation by being positive and liking everybody. But you also keep a little bit of distance where, you know, like I don't really belong here and I'm not really going to fully commit here. And I'm actually going to have a lot of pots boiling all the time just because when one goes fucked up, I'll have things that right, bro. And then the other one is you find people who will fulfill the cycle of the breaking again, who like will, are people who on some subconscious level you know one day are gonna fuck right off and blame it on you and do the thing that, because then you'll have more fodder for the self-doubt that like while you were forming as a person was put in you so that feels comfortable and natural. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. So you find places to get it again. Like it's kind of the way like I feel like I was raised there like it was constant flux and crisis and weirdness and in relationship I've had to learn how to just be okay instead of creating problems because being in a problem feels like home to me. And I'm like, I'll feel more comfortable if things are really crazy. So like, yeah. I'll just kind of set little fires when things are. And I've had to learn to go like, no, don't set fires for no reason. So do you know what I mean? So to I me, like f- this, this, you, you perfectly had it. Like your closest creative partner was somebody that like, eventually, finally, you got what you really needed out of it, which was two more years of reason to doubt yourself. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, like, it's, it's, I just think it's just I've done that. Oh, like, to- almost no, totally. To a T, what well, you're and, describing. And you even talking about like having many pots boiling. Like one of my, and I say Whew. the only thing I'm the most afraid of in my entire life is being stuck anywhere and not having an out. And like that sounds so nuts. I'm married. I never. I. I don't even. Th- I don't want to think about an out. Like I. I. I've, I fucking love my wife. I've been married for almost three years. We've been together for 10 we've known each other for 11 and i don't when i say i'm looking at like i'd never want to be stuck in anything it doesn't necessarily mean a relationship but i even mean like creatively and projects yes and i'm like like dude that wrestling show yes. that you helped me with right we do this wrestling show i shoot i fucking spend my own money i shoot a promo we get together we shoot a pilot episode we have 300 something people come out to the yeah. live taping of this thing and then all of a sudden like we start kind of getting little offers here and there and then this thing and that thing and i tell my other partner on that show i go i go you know dude i mean look i just want to do the initial five episodes i'll stay on as a creator but like I'm not trying to do this show forever and like what what Am I crazy? Like, I don't want to get stuck in doing a TV show that I created. Is that like, it's such a Dude, silly thing. I, I'm yeah, like, yeah. I, want, I want out of this. Like, I know. get me out of here. I do the same thing. Like, I feel like I, I have a million things going on all the time. Because you don't want to just do one of I'm them. Afraid. Because if you get, because you're afraid. I'm afraid I'm that the, af- I'm afraid if I pick one that I love, two things will happen. One, it'll fail and I'll realize that I'm a fake and the things that I love and the things that I'm actually not good and and I've really put my heart into something <laughs> and I'm like, oh, been found yeah. been found and one. Then, and then are you also let me ask you this, like now now I'm interviewing you. Yeah, are you also course. afraid and is there a part of you that's afraid of it going great? Yeah, yes. Because then the other thing is it goes great and then you're like, oh fuck, now I have to stay here and take care of this thing I love. And also I'm gonna be defined by this thing I love and be like, oh, that's who I am. And then suddenly like a million other things the reality is you'll still be the million other things you are and and one thing going well only empowers you to make all those other things but you'll be like no no now i'm gonna have to do this that's so funny because like as a result like yeah anytime something's starting to get momentum you go like "Mm." i've done that like i've had like six i don't know so how many videos like go fucking viral like crazy and any sane person would be like i'm gonna just capitalize on that people like that let's do more of that and i just i'm like i'd rather kill myself i can't do it <laughs> you're like no nope. no i don't want to do that that's so stupid but also i think that partly um part of me is not wrong because part of me also thinks like 
instead of digging into my psyche and ideas and going like, what do I have to offer? What do I really want to say? I stay sort of surface level and ideas, things that I want to do tend to be like, I could do that. That's a clever little yeah. idea. Let me do well, that. And leading and then you- into the successful idea sometimes is is the idea of, of the imposter syndrome. It's the idea of selling out. You're like, I don't want to be that guy because that's not like if I just lean into this then I'm not being true to who I am and I'm just kind of faking it and selling out. Yes, that is true. But like, I think that's also like part of the reason the thing even gets made in the first place is because you're non-committal to it because you're like, well, this isn't who I really am. This is just kind of silly or kind of cool. So you feel comfortable enough to do it. Yeah, and so you're comfortable enough to do it and then you commit in a weird, it's, you know what it's like? It's like in jujitsu, I was was doing jujitsu last night, I was thinking about it and um, one of my coaches wants me to do the ADCC trials and um, I'm like thinking about just saying fuck it and doing it and I realized when I roll, I was like, I'm just going to treat it like because when my buddies is doing it i'm gonna treat it like i'm training him and and whenever i do rounds where i'm like the other person's getting ready for a tournament i'm like i shoot so much i do so many takedown attempts i burn out my energy i just go 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 because i want to push the pace for them even when i'm tired i just try to present an aggressive front and i weirdly do better than when i'm just playing my game like smart because i have none it's like because fuck it because I'm like, I don't really care. My ego's not involved. It's not like I'm trying to be good or win. It's like I'm trying to just push and help somebody. So you're like a better version of yourself. Whereas like, well, why don't I just operate with that freedom yeah, for why, my why own Why don't self? I just say fuck it for me more often? Yeah, and, like, and just like go, push the pace. And that's not a pace. bad thing, you know? Yeah. Like I, I guess like it feels, and it goes back to the conversation we had a little bit earlier about like, about the fine line, right? Yeah. Of, of, of enjoying yourself and and being confident enough in yourself to have some fun while also being cognizant of how other people feel, but not letting that feeling be so overbearing that you're not having fun anymore and you're not enjoying yourself. Yeah. And you're starting to doubt. Like even saying it out loud, you start to go like, Oh my God. And that's going to be so complicated to manage all the time. I know. I was thinking that as you said that, that's exactly what I was thinking. And then we've overwhelmed ourselves again to just be like, ah, dude, but but I think it's like a, a way you have to like turn your brain off and just go like, zen out a little bit you know i I don't i don't know that's maybe the thing that i I gets me to the point and then this is what i do and then i sit around and i and i'm doing it with you now and i go fuck man well i don't know how to what do i do about that like how do i do that like and then you get stuck in this rut of like sitting there and like thinking like well well well, maybe i found it maybe i found out why i feel this way and why i think about things this way but like how do i how do i do do with it yeah now now what do i do you know you go holy shit now what do i do and then something else comes along and it keeps you busy for a while and then your mind's off of it and then and then you sit with yourself for a week or two in between some things and then you start feeling the same way and then some and it's not like i wonder that sometimes about therapy and stuff too where i'm like what is the magic power in talk therapy like I've always preferred therapies and like, and I think why I like the psychiatry kind of thing of the medication or like when I've done EMDR, which is like this, you know, they're, they're physicalized. They're, there's like techniques that you learn that help you. I'm like, I have, I have answers to some of like when things become overwhelming for me or whatever, but I'm like, what is the value in the talking or the, like, how does that work? And I really do believe there's a quality. It's almost like, um, uh, hu- humans, I think in general, psychologically, like, we're really actually very good at dealing with things we're afraid of if we can see them. Um, it's when it's unknown that it's not. So so even in like interpersonal relationships, if you're scared to tell someone something, you're worried how they're going to react or whatever, and this and, and they know something's up and you don't say it and they don't say it, it's much scarier uh, because it becomes the worst possible thing. And just by giving voice to a thing and giving life and body to it sometimes can have a healing quality where you can move forward now. And so to me, that's like... There's a weird like kind of quality of like that question of like, well, what now 
isn't really even, you're like, don't worry about it. Like the work you've done is in naming the feeling and naming the issue and understanding this mechanism. And I think the work then that you do is like in your life now, when that comes up again and you go like, oh, I don't really, well, you go like, well, you talked yourself through this already, didn't you? We kind of figured out some of this stuff and we kind of figured out like, oh yeah, when I was a kid, my brain was shaped by my fucking broken family and I learned some things about myself and core values of how I think the world works. And that's fine. It's just because I was a little baby and my brain was shaping <laughs> and we're all just these like weird we're still babies just who have been around a long time oh, and learned and added to what we've learned and i think you can go like so i know why i have that reaction and now i'm a grown-up and i can say oh so unfortunately that was the one i got first but there are other possibilities let's continue with the day maybe i'm a good person you know what i mean i hope so but you know what i'm saying that <laughs> yeah, idea of yeah. like when next time my, my head goes like you're bad you're bad you're bad you're a fraud that like you can go like, well, I've talked through this with myself a lot and I figured out why I think that's true all the yeah, time. And hearing it out loud, like does make a big difference. And some of the things like even just sitting here talking to you in our, in our yeah. pseudo therapy session, and that is, is supposed one. to just be a conversation, you know, a discussion. No, it's like, I mean, I mean, hearing it out loud, like makes it more physical. And if it's, and if, and I'm such a tangible person, I need physical it's, things. Yeah. And, and even just hearing it is, is the equivalent of seeing it. Right. You're afraid and, of ghosts. Oh, bro, I could tell you some stories. Really? Wait, maybe we should do that. No, I just say that because when I was a kid, I was always like, ghosts are the scariest thing. Oh, dude. Because in my idiot brain as like a 10-year-old, I was like, I could fight a werewolf or like a vampire. Yeah, thing. I was like, you could cut him up. How do I deal but with a ghost? ghost? I'm not a ghost buster. A ghost will just fucking live, haunt you forever. Like right. there's nothing you can do about a ghost. Straight up poltergeist might enter your system and right. fuck shit up. Yeah, and I was just like, the fact that it was intangible was so scary <laughs> yeah. to me. Oh, dude, yeah. Because I'm I was, such a physical person. I was person. terrified of ghosts, and I definitely believed in them, and I still still believe in some weird shit. Do, like, you, want, do you want to share some ghosts? I have some fucking weird ones, too. Yes. My, my, I don't know, let's see. The one that was like, I it's oh, this is actually apropos to what we're talking about, because I was so terrified of the idea of ghosts, but like, one time... So, but like just horrified, like people tell me their stories and I always get chills and I'd be like, oh, ugh, it's too scary. I don't like this at all. And then, um, and then I felt like I met a ghost and I was, and what happened was I was in Mich uh, Wisconsin, um, Milwaukee and we were staying at my, um, uh, my aunt's, it's very, my family's very kooky. So technically my step grandma, who's been my grandma my whole life, her sister is remarried and they have a kid. And so we're at their house. So it's like their, you know. Um, <laughs> their fucking house in Milwaukee and it's this old old house and uh, and I was staying there it was the summer and it gets really humid you're from Michigan so you know it gets really humid in the Midwest it's like humid and hot and we were staying in this guest room in this old house and me and my girlfriend at the time and uh, in the middle of the night I remember I'm like laying there I'm kind of like asleep or like asleep already and but like a half asleep whatever and I, it gets so fucking cold in the room and I don't even think about that because I'm like it's you're just asleep and you're just like tucked up and you're pulling your blanket up you're like Ooh. so cold in the room and then the clock radio just starts flicking on and off and going like 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 um you know making like static sounds on yeah. and off and I swear to God, I heard the click, like the knob, like, you know, and I was like, and my girlfriend, she goes, Jared, Jared, I think there's a ghost in the room. 
and uh, like scared though, like in this voice. And I just didn't open my eyes. I was just like, and I was going, oh no. I was like, it's. And I knew I was like, don't open your eyes. You don't want to see it. If it's there, I don't want to see it. <laughs> but in my state, I wasn't like even scared. I just was like, just don't open your eyes. And I was just like, no, it's it's a friendly ghost. It's fine. It's a friendly ghost. And basically, just went back to bed. And that was it. I like didn't feel scared at all. I was just like, it's a friendly ghost. It's fine. But also was like, and the next morning I went to my cousin and I was like, hey, is this weird thing happened last night? And she goes like, oh yeah, that room's haunted. And we're like, dude, what? And we're like, and she's like, oh yeah. And we're like, first of all, thanks for putting us in that room, I guess. And she's like, yeah, sometimes I'll be in the house and I'm the only one here with Kyle, who's, I have a brother named Kyle, but it's confusing because there is a dog named Kyle, the golden retriever and Kyle's with me. So I know it's not him. And it's like, sounds like bowling balls are getting dropped in that room. And I was like, fuck that. That you is know? some weird shit. What is up with the Midwest? I mean, look, dude, I, okay. Midwest, I, probably... I would say what's up with the Midwest is probably like hundreds of years of murder and taking people's shit and living there and then like building homes and adding like puritanical oh, weird shit on God, top of it and acting like everything's fine. I, dude, I when I was it would have been 2000 and no it was two, 2000 it would have been 2000 because uh I one of my best friend's father had just passed away on New Year's Day of 2000 he had he had he was battling uh, a brain tumor cancer and uh he passed away on New Year's Day and so my mom I my my mom was letting us stay with our dad and um long story short my 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 father's family, there's like 11 brothers and sisters and they had a home that they all grew up on on this piece of property in, in Flint, Michigan. And then right across the yard was one of my aunts mm. built a house and, and her and her kids lived in that group. She passed away from cancer years or like when I was probably six years old, six or seven years old. So I'm staying in this house now. Uh, it's 2000. So I don't even know how old I was. Um, and, um, Staying upstairs in my cousin's room. She she's she's a grown woman at the time. She's probably thirty. I'm a young adult, and uh, I'm sleeping in her bed. She's staying downstairs, and I just I start hearing the stairs creak, and they're those super steep old stairs, right? I'm hearing creaky stairs, creaky stairs, and I try to justify it. I'm like, oh, the house is settling. The house is like forty years old, you mm-hmm. know? Oh, the house is settling. Creaky, creaky, creaky. Then I hear things moving around, and it's in my little cousin's room, which is directly across the way from my my other, you know, her mother's room that I'm mm-hmm. staying in. I'm like, don't look, don't look. I'm I'm doing the whole yeah. don't look thing, and then finally I'm like, just just look, because I had seen what I thought was a shadow go across, oh. and I I thought it was maybe one of my other cousins or uncles nobody's there and i look in the room and i swear these little figurines that are on my cousin's uh bureau Mm -hmm. are moving Mm -hmm. and i about shit my pants i freak out i go downstairs i tell my dad 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 blah 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 shit's moving i was hearing noises whatever he's like it's an old house the house creaks blah blah blah. i'm like no you don't understand i was like i looked into amanda's room and i saw shit moving on her bureau and he's like go to bed right i'm like fuck i can't go to sleep so Finally pass out. I wake up. I'm telling my cousin about this the next day. And she goes, oh, yeah, it's my mother. And I said, what, what are you talking about? She goes, no, sometimes she cleans the kids' rooms because I had two younger cousins. Um, and, and I was like, what are you talking about? And she goes, no, sometimes I leave the house and I'll come back and the rooms will be completely clean. Nobody else lives in this room. And I was and my, my dad the whole time was like, oh, it's bullshit. You're making it up, whatever. But my cousin who owns the home straight up said, it's my mother. And she really thinks that she, her mother 
state her present state of the mm-hmm. house and looks after the kids yeah i got chills like I was three like, times that holy story. crap like that Fuck. got me so good yeah like i've had a bunch of really weird instances like when yeah. i was a i mean a young like a teen like not even just a, a child but all the way up until i was like a teenager and yeah. like my friends and i had seen some weird shit that we like i mean we were like of driving age and we thought we saw some weird shit like right right like i don't know there's there's yeah we don't know it all there's some weird shit out there in the universe i definitely think that well because i think i think that about like like there's weird shit happening too like i don't know if you saw like uh there's this viral thing the other day about people in this video clip from a tv show in 1958 where this like town it's like a western show and this huckster comes to town and tells everybody the world's gonna end and like these these fiery comets and there's gonna be like in fire there wasn't and and he tries and he sells the town he wants to sell them on building this wall around the town and this other guy is like this man's a liar and he's lying to all of you and he's like trying to stop them and the guy's name is trump like trump is (laughs) and this guy trump is trying to and you're like how in like 1958 did somebody make that's like so like we're living in a simulation it's very weird and long and spooky and now that's like happening like this guy trump it does feel that way and there's and i and i was thinking like time like we can only perceive time in one direction but like if you drop a ripple if you drop a rock in a pond right those ripples go every direction and sometimes i'm like I wonder if there isn't some quantum thing that we can't understand that's like if something in the future really big happens, like if that doesn't ripple out and that some people would be like tuning forks for it would like not be able to explain it, but just pick some stuff up and or like, what are dreams? You know what I mean? Like this idea that when you have those dreams where you're like convinced it's or like deja vu like deja vu is always weird to me that i'm oh, like it's that. so fucking weird that everybody experiences deja vu and just goes like oh yeah that thing where you have the exact same thing happens again yeah we all do that and like don't have an answer for it it's just like that's that a thing is, that happens that's a good one dude i could go on i mean but that, you know what i mean that it's I've like had, I, I mean i'm sure no we've qualms. all had some gnarly deja vu like all yeah. of us and and the way that people try to explain it sometimes it's like oh yeah but you're you're manifesting like you're manifesting the dream after it happened, your subconscious does this thing where it implants essentially an artificial memory of a dream of this situation. And you're like, no. Yeah. I nope. don't know. Yeah. Nope. I don't think that's what it is. Yeah. doesn't feel that way. That's like, that's like to me, it's like when people tell like, I, I don't know. I just think of just like love as an explanation for there's more stuff where you're like, yeah, you can tell me that it's just chemicals and it tricks me and all this stuff. But like, mm, it doesn't always make sense. No. You know, it doesn't always no. like have anything to do with like protecting my genetics or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, let's do the so, last. Let's do the six quick cues part of the thing. So the first one of the six quick cues. Do you want to pee or anything? Do you need to break anything? I do need to pee, actually. All right, let's take a quick little pee break. I drank a coffee and two cups know, of tea. Right? All right, here we go. Hello. Hi, we're back. Okay. Good pee, bro. Hey, We thanks. peed together. Yeah, good just, job. <laughs> just sword fighting. <laughs> um, okay, yeah, six quick cues. So the first one is that one of like, have you been diagnosed with anything? Uh, but if not, like, what do you think you struggle with? And we kind of talked about it throughout, but what would you say? Uh, no, never been diagnosed with anything clinically, yeah. but I think that I do definitely have some serious self-doubt issues that may have now stemmed from, you know, like early childhood when my parents yeah. split up, you know, and, and it manifests itself in different ways. And I think that I'm already thinking about it. And from time to time instances like with this friend or, or other things that happen in my life are external factors that bring it even more to the forefront of my mind. Yeah. You know, well, there's gotta be, there is something I think in the inability, like the idea, 
for some of us how long it takes to process a like you were saying like it's been like two years and this is a thing that yeah you think about that like i do think there's something in there that i don't know we, I, there, there might not be a term for it like depression or whatever or whatever i don't know but like in in a like do you know what i mean like there's something impeded in the ability to process out like right. is this true or not yeah and yeah, no, I, I could agree with that. Where I'm just continuing yeah. to hang on to it. It's less now, but I, but obviously I brought it up. It's something that I'm still thinking about, yeah. and, it, and it's and it is a constant on my mind. You know? Well, I mean, heartbreak and stuff is yeah. something that I a lot of people carry for way long. Sometimes never let go of. You know, um, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if I, I should ask a therapist if there's like a name for that sort of like, you know, like grieving and stuff like PTSD actually is an interesting when Nick was here. He was explaining that like post-traumatic stress, the, the way it's defined is like it has to do with how long it goes on. That basically anybody in a traumatic situation reacts basically the same way that PTSD people do. Um it's just a matter like and it's normal like for like a few weeks or a month or whatever but that if it's persisting on beyond forever and ever that that in that is where it becomes this post traumatic stress disorder and opposed to just post traumatic stress yes. so like everybody encounters post traumatic stress right but depending on like how long yeah, yeah i see and whenever i've learned about ptsd stuff uh, it always resonates with me and I think maybe it's part of my imposter syndrome too that I'm always like yeah but I didn't have like a real quote unquote like I wasn't like you know fucking shot at and shit you know what I mean I, I didn't kill yeah. somebody in war so so you're like but that um, a lot of those patterns of if you think about it you're like well it was a trauma and this was after a trauma and it, it causes me a lot of stress and maybe there's some mate they kind of and whenever i read literature about ptsd and processing it i'm always like yeah 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 that like it you know that like we're kind of it's it's uh we have to allow ourselves to understand like in these violence rehabilitation things that my mom was working on they always started with like and it was like run by these um uh people they work with prisoners like in san quentin and a lot of the people who like go through it and it's only life lifers you have to be like a life sentence to be eligible for the program that like the life sentence people sometimes become teachers of it. Like they, uh, and they'll be paroled and they'll get out of there, you know, and they, they go out and do this like nonviolence work. And they always start with like, uh, you tell, you go through your own personal history of where violence has been in your life. And they're very clear. They're like, but when we talk about violence, we need to understand we're not just talking about physical violence. We're talking about emotional, mental, spiritual, obviously physical, um, but also economic violence, which is, you know, if you like are taken from or people take or you take from other people like, and and that the effect of violence, even for perpetrator and victim is equal, like it's dest it's destructive. And that concept of trauma, too, of being like allowing yourself to go like, ooh, something fucked up happened that really affected me. And I am not helping myself at all by being like, it's not real. I should just I shouldn't. That's not like a real trauma. Like, yeah, it's real if it's real for you, you know, um, that I, I don't know. It's uh, that just made me think of it. That's something in the like having difficulty processing a thing. Um you know, like if you were grieving over a loss or something and just never could uh, move through all the cycles, that would be a thing. That would be like... Absolutely. And I don't know. So I know we're not professionals, but I, I do have a feeling like that there's a name. There's got to be a thing for that 
you know? Yeah, no, has to. I, I'm, I'm with you on that. 100%. Um, the second question, I guess, then is always like, which kind of is on the tail of it is uh, therapies or medications, and if you've tried any or anything like that, or if you felt like in the, or even like drugs or like the therapies you might have done, or what do you, would you kind of do to try that you liked or didn't like coping with these like feelings? I mean, honestly, uh, even I mean, no, I've, I've, I mean, a little bit of therapy when I was younger, it didn't last very long. You know, it was a yeah. few sessions. Um, Have you thought about going back as a grown up ever? I haven't really, you know, yeah. I haven't really, but my wife's opened up and started talking about possibly, you know, like talking to someone and that, that almost gave me permission to go, Oh, you know what? Like oh, for her own self, you yeah, mean? for her own self. And it's not even, she's like, you know, I, I, and, and I, honestly it was in due in part to like, she was listening to your podcast again. Like whenever we travel, she's like, you know, I, I just think it's time. It's not a bad thing. It's, and it's, and it's not for one thing in general, right. like one specific thing. She's like, but maybe it's not bad to have a conversation with somebody on a regular basis. And, and, and that, I, I like, recommend it for everyone. Yeah. And that like gave me permission to like, Oh, you know what? Like maybe that's not a bad idea for me either. Or, yeah. or even just having another close enough friend that I could confide in, you know, and just have conversations with that. I definitely. I'm a, I'm pro talk in general. I will say, um, as a non-professional or whatever, that there is something important about, um, I, okay. I'll say, I think there, I'm not, actively in talk therapy right now i don't think it's something you have to do like for your whole life or something like that i think some people can overuse it i think it's good to even limit it to be like some people have to go a lot a lot they have a lot like of specific stuff to work out but at a certain point like i don't think it's good if you take all your problems over to that thing it being a, a professional that is paid to be there for that there is something it used to bother me like when i first started i was like uh, in the most toxic patriarchal way possible It'd be like going to a prostitute and being like You don't really love me though you're just faking it For the money and now once you get a little Older and you start to realize like how things Work and like people have needs and they help Each other and one of those needs in our horrible capitalist System is like to stay alive and That these exchanges are okay and That there's a reason that it creates some distance That like it's not a friend that you're Consulting for therapy it's not a loved one Who has other reasons to maybe talk To you a certain way it's just a person that like I was like I started thinking about therapy sometimes it might the fact whatever we said in those 50 minutes might not even matter it was just the fact that I took 50 minutes out of my week or hour and a half right to drive there and come home with the intention of working on being a better version of myself that like that alone like just saying and I like I go do that and that like just the intention of it worked in itself you know what I mean mm -hmm. like it didn't even matter like what we said or did. We could like talk about the weather for like the whole session, but it was like, I went to therapy this week because I'm trying to be better and happier. Has some positive effect, you know? Oh, definitely. Um, I, I recommend I it for everyone. Yeah. I'm happy to hear that, that uh, she was thinking about that. You're thinking about that. Cause there's definitely this day and age too. There's no fucking like stig. There's not like you're fucked oh, no. up and no, not at all. Know. Some people not don't like all. it though. Some people really like still like don't like to talk about, it. you know, Oh, uh, yeah. It feels so weird. A lot of people don't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get that. I don't get how you can still <laughs> feel that way now. I mean, I get it, obviously, but anyway, fuck that shit. Uh, the next question is, uh, you know, feel good. Work, work yourself. Open yourself. Crack yourself open. Um, what is something cheesy you find inspiring? That's always the third question. Oh, man. That's that's like actually kind of a hard one. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Can I can I say that like your your history videos that you were putting out are are a little cheesy? Which one? 
the 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 totally true history. Oh, the absolutely true history. Where the I just make up lies. History. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's hilarious and cheesy, but I will say that watching like whenever you put out like cool content, like I, I think everything you do is cool. Thanks, like just man. on the sense that like you're a creative dude and you put shit out. Thank you. And and I mean, who knows how much thought really goes into each of them? Some maybe too much, and others not enough. Who knows? Mostly, uh, mostly not. It depends where the medium. But is. I think I think uh, one of them. You woke up. You're in bed. You start telling a story. You're still under the covers yeah. you're groggy as shit and to me like that's inspiring <laughs> as shit because like you just had an idea and you're like fuck it i'm gonna put it down i do think that and it's is, like waking up yeah. and writing an idea down but instead you, you just shot it and yeah. you just filmed it and it and it's a good and it's an inspiring <laughs> reminder to me that like that i have nice. these ideas and like it's not as hard as i think to just make it happen like just do it you know that is the gift and the curse of like new media and like that kind of stuff is because yeah, I, like my mom had this thing she said one time though, because the the double edged sort of it is like the one is I really appreciate that you said that because I've even I did this like video visit I went visited Ross the other day Ross dressed for less and like every time I go to a Ross I feel like I'm like in this weird alternate reality and there's always just so much funny shit that just feels like it lays bare like the American psyche and all of our like extra <laughs> weird products that go in overstock but um. And so I do these like stupid Instagram videos and stuff. And I've, I've done it a couple times. And the one I did the other day, like really struck a chord. Like people like, I don't know, we're really liking it. And I'm going to like repost it just because uh, it, it was seemed to people like it. Um, and I was like, that's like the perfect expression. It's like you have a funny, dumb little idea and you just want to do and Just go do it. Just go do it. And I had this intention when I started this year too. Is like, I want to get back to being a bit more of a silly goose again. And like, I miss being like kind of goofy <laughs> and I've been feeling like really serious and bound up and, and just more generative. The danger to it is my mom had this thing. Uh, she calls it making molehills out of mountains, which is like, you'll have a great idea that could be like a book. Like you should really spend time working on that fucking thing and figuring it out whatever. And instead you write like a Facebook post about it and like it's like oh some people are like what a cool facebook post oh really interesting great stuff and then that's it you've done the idea and you got out of your system and never really served what it could be and so for me with the art stuff is like i feel the same way where i'm like some things are perfectly that's all they're supposed to be is a little fart of a creative impulse <laughs> makes people laugh a little bit and does something but other things I'm like, when we were shooting Trigger Men actually was the first like short that I'd done in a while that was like a multiple day shoot. And we were like getting all these crew together to do it and all this stuff and being like, this is what I love. I want to work on things. I don't just want to do collab YouTube things like, you know, I want to like spend time with my ideas. But um, I really anyway, that was a little yeah, bit but it's 50 of, uh, it goes both ways. It could be an idea that 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 could be built into a mountain and other times it is yeah. just a fun little molehill. But especially you know? what you're saying about like when the when the fear is uh, when, when you have a fear in general of like not working on your own shit and you know, like, fuck. Yeah, just I think just, about, yeah, I think about John Carpenter it. all the time. Like, I really want to make a feature. I want to get into making features so bad, low budget, whatever. And we were talking about before this that I was like. There's something in me that's always like, that's not the idea though. What's the idea? And then you get so bogged down in being like, my feature film is going to fix the universe and be everything I have to say as an artist and it's going to be perfect. And then you look at like people you love who made movies and I think of John Carpenter, just how like prolific he was and like making all these like, you know, Halloween and Escape from Precinct 13 and like, you know, Escape from New York or sorry, Assault on Precinct, you know what I'm talking about. The thing. And made so many things that it was more like Stephen King or whatever. Like they just, you have ideas and you just do them. And no one idea is going to like say who you are. Like you just have to go make things and start making oh, and making. Same way. Like yeah. until I watched his documentary, like I knew some of like the amazing work that he had done, but I didn't realize how many films 
and how many television shows that man actually created. And each one speaks to who he is as an artist and who he is mm -hmm. as a person. And like, as, and there's like this great big collective body of work, but could you have imagined if he was just like, Nope, I'm only making this movie. Right. And, 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 and it's gotta be perfect. And then he only ever made one thing. Yeah. Right. Like it's, yeah, exactly. it's like, it's like, no, like you can be great and you can express yourself across multiple mediums and it yeah. doesn't have to be the perfect. Each one doesn't have to be perfect, like, and stand the test of time on its own. But like together, it could be a great collection of your ideas and who you are and what you're trying to say. Yeah. Just getting a sense of yourself that is not defined by single attributes. Totally. And understanding that like that we're uh, yeah. more. Oh, yeah. And only, <laughs> only like, you know fairly shallow beings do that go like that's the person who does this you know which i don't know that is a frustration in our in our industry of like people do rely on that kind of branding oh that person is this and so that's what i go to them for uh when you're like yeah i don't know i'll kind of figure out whatever you know anyway um all right the next question is uh what's something dark about you Ooh. uh shit man something dark about me yeah that's the goth question uh, no, I, something that is dark about me is maybe like when I start thinking of a lot of stories that I personally want to tell, Yeah, most of them don't have happy endings. And I think it's like really important. Like, like I, I try to be a happy go lucky person, but I also think that a lot of times in our media, everything is perfect. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I'm not talking about the news and the bullshit that you see all the time. And right. like the news is very negative all the time. It's rarely a positive thing. Like, because right. that's, you know that kind of fear sells but I, I i just mean the idea of telling personal stories that don't always end up perfect yeah right and and i have several shorts that i've written and concepts that i want to do and none of them have a happy ending yeah and i think that's maybe this little dark spot inside of me that says hey look everything isn't perfect and and that's life and that's actually okay too yeah you know is it doesn't yeah. have to be perfect yeah I, but I, there is a yeah. dark tone to that like i remember the first time i told my wife and my sister about some of these concepts i had like one super you know like they're none of them are like they all just kind of have like fucked up endings but they're real it's like shit that really happens in real life mm -hmm. and i think it's a it's important to also remember that like it doesn't always work out yeah and that's okay life goes on right yeah. like things continue to move it's not the end of the world although it feels like the end of the world maybe that's something i need to contemplate more for myself very you know? interesting <laughs> very interesting <laughs> Yeah, I think that's well. That's also why I asked the something dark about you question. Is just because I think a lot of us spend a lot of time acting like we're not like grubby little psychopaths on some level somewhere in us. And I don't know. I just want to normalize a little more so people don't feel so fucking weird about like that they have these experiences and you know that like a lot, we all have them. Yeah, you know? yeah. I definitely I agree with that. <clears throat> I think like I feel similarly. Like I don't know. You know that's why we're doing this whole other fight stuff podcast. Eventually is like. I don't know why I just want to explore the, re the the truth, like the honesty of the fact that I'm very attracted to violence in like media <laughs> and in play and in practice and in games and like whatever, but I don't like it in real life. I don't like, but I also don't think I get anything out or help anybody being like, no, 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 I'm not, I don't know. No, violence. No, ooh, gross. No guns. Ooh, gross. No, I don't like it because you're like, well, then we're just lying. Like we need to like figure out why we feel this way. Like, well, what is it about it? And don't make it so weird. Same way with like sex stuff forever that people forever are like, you don't get anything from being all Catholic and weird out of being <laughs> like, no, nobody has sex. All you get is like a church that fucks children. You know what I mean? Like, 
Weird. I, I guess I do know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that is dark. Well, that was something dark. Um, all right. And then bringing it up again. What is the last gorgeous thing you saw? That's my fifth question. Man, that's a, that is a good one. I, you know what, you know what I could honestly say? Maybe t- two things mm-hmm. is, is I went, I woke up this morning at 6am and a, a friend that I made on this last show happens to live in LA and he got me up and had me go with him to Runyon and I hate running mm-hmm. and it was super foggy morning today. Like it was real thick air, very, yeah. very dense and the clouds were super low and we made it to the, we made it to the top of the mall hall inside. We went up mall hall and went to the highest peak and I watched the sun come up over, over the clouds, little pieces of the hill jutting out here and there. And it was absolutely beautiful and awe inspiring and just peaceful and calm. And then I went home and I ran into my wife walking the dog before she went to work and, and just seeing how stoked that little dude was to see me like, like animals just have so much love inside of them. And, and it's, pure you know and just and i was thinking about him today i'm like this little dude i'm responsible for his life he cannot take care of himself because he was not raised to be able to take Mm. care of himself and he just loves us unconditionally and i just feel like that is so gorgeous and so beautiful is like just like how much love this little guy has for me and my wife and most people he encounters yeah like there's not there's not an ill bone in his body and he's just so happy-go-lucky and like you know i we joke sometimes like her and i are like, man, I wish we could just be more like him. Yeah. You know, like I wish we could just love everything and everybody and chill and not worry and not stress out too much. (laughs) And like, you know, just be be the dog, you know, just like live the life of the dog. And although I do ask him every once in a while when he's going to get a job, because it would be nice if he contributed. Yeah, it would be nice. And here in Hollywood is maybe one of the only places in the world the dog could actually work and make a living. (laughs) Get an Instagram. (laughs) I know. You know, but I digress. I think those two things just today, those were two awesome experiences that, and I, and as much as I hate, hate running, dude, I hate it with so much passion, uh, which is weird. Cause I'm such an athletic and yeah. physical person, but I hate running. I was like, you know what? I'm so grateful that I woke up this morning or I wouldn't have been able to have that experience. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Love it. Uh, the last, last, last thing of the whole thing. Uh, I have a thing called the don't kill yourself list, which I started years uh, ago for myself. And it's kind of a practice of just like, I remind myself of things that exist that I love that are objective to me reasons to like keep staying in reality. Uh, I made it a very dark time in my life. And I always start it with, uh, coffee sandwiches and lavender soap those are because i'm like those are fucking awesome all the time and so um i love it add something or multiple whatever you feel like but just give me what's what do you think should go on i don't kill yourself list well you already did coffee yep (laughs) coffee's a common one chocolate baby chocolate really yeah do you love chocolate are you like a chocolate guy i'm like a connoisseur of chocolate I think, I think chocolate is amazing. <laughs> and I mean, for me, but, uh, I mean, for you, I mean, you're very, no, for gut. you, for you, for me. Yeah. No, I mean, cho- like, cho- it, yeah. chocolate would hundred percent coffee and chocolate would be on mine <laughs> for sure. And, uh, you know, I mean, and, and for, yeah, I mean, dude, I guess like, I, I, I mean, I, I don't know if it fits, but, but even, even my little dog, dude, I mean like that guy, like, yeah, like he can't live without me. And I dude. would, and I would hate to try to put that on him. You know I, what I mean? I like, like dogs is dog is probably the number one answer. Like that that's so, give. yeah, because like, I mean, you go, I mean, it's, it's such a, it, like they say it all the time and it, and it, and, and maybe it is, and maybe it isn't, but like, 
I feel like to like it's how how shitty of me would that be to leave to leave this little creature alone in this world, mm-hmm. you know, or even even leave my wife the sole responsibility of taking care of care of him yeah. while having this constant reminder of of me being gone. Like that would be horrendous. Yeah, you know, like I wouldn't want to. I don't want to stick anybody with any res- any kind of like additional responsibility because right. I didn't want to deal with with this shit anymore. You know. Right. Coffee, chocolate, Co- my dog. Chocolate and dog, love it. <laughs> Dude, thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for um, having me. Jamie, if anybody wants to find you, do you want to tell them place they can find you? Yeah, I mean, I'm on, I mean, I'm, my YouTube's horrendous. I did I did log in the other day and realized I have 14,000 subscribers. And I think the All last right. time I looked at it, I had like not many. <laughs> yeah, that's But cool. I don't really put that content out. I'm on, I'm definitely on Instagram, just Corey yeah. Myers on Instagram. It's okay. stunt stuff, parkour stuff. And Corey DeMyers. Corey DeMyers, C O R Y D E M E Y E R S on Instagram. Love Creative that. shit. Yeah, dude. This was a pleasure. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no, thank you. All right. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Peace. Well, that's the up this week. Um, If you dug it, check out patreon.com slash mygoodbadbrain. Throw some dough at the show. Or maybe just leave us a review. Maybe tell a friend. Or maybe don't feel like you have to do anything. Just, you know, be good to yourself. Self-care. Hydrate. Be well. Thank you. (laughs) Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.